Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 18th of March 2012, entitled Biblical Marriage in Blasphemous Days, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Again, I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that uh, are with us. I was reading this, and I thought I'd read it to you this morning. Hopefully, maybe bring a smile to some of your faces. Some of these I certainly remembered myself, and uh, others I probably heard and forgot. But uh, it's what my mother taught me. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. (laughs) My mother taught me religion. She said, you better pray that will come out of the carpet. (laughs) My mother taught me about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. (laughs) My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. (laughs) My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you have an accident. My mother taught me irony. Just keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. My mother taught me about contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? My mother taught me about stamina. You will sit there till you eat all that spinach. (laughs) My mother taught me about weather. It looks as if a tornado swept through your room. My mother taught me how to solve physics problems. If I yelled because I saw a meteor coming towards you, would you listen then? My mother taught me about hypocrisy. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. And I read through that, and I could actually remember a few of those that, uh, uh, that came from, uh, from my mother. And I give you this one just before we look to things more serious. Real mothers. Real mothers know right where their kitchen utensils are, out in the sandbox. Real mothers don't eat quiche. They don't have time to make it. (laughs) Real mothers sometimes have sticky floors, filthy ovens, but happy kids. Real mothers know and accept that dried Play-Doh doesn't come out of the shag carpets. (laughs) Real mothers don't want to know what the vacuum just sucked up. And real mothers know that a child's growth 
is not measurable by height or years or grade. It's marked by the progression of mama to mummy to mom or mum. <laughs> and uh, I guess that uh, it's amazing as they grow from those little tiny cute things to those teenagers. I remember, I remember someone saying one time that, uh, you know, there comes that, uh, you know, that point when that uh, uh, you just want to put them in a barrel and seal it up and cut a hole in it so that you can feed them through it and keep them there until they get through all that adolescent stuff. Um, but it is Mother's Day. And uh, considering all of the negative elements of commercialization, which we could undoubtedly do without, to say the least, it is nonetheless a very special day that is set aside for the honoring of mothers. Is that a good thing? Is God pleased with such a thing? Well, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is one of those passages when I begin looking, I said, wow, we, we really should read the chapter before in order to get the context. But then if you look at that, you need to read the chapter before in order to, you really need to start at chapter 1 and verse 1 and read up to this point, which we'll try to, uh, uh, to cover that uh, as we look at a few things. But our main focus that we're going to be working towards is here in chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's holy word, again taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Father, we thank you again today that we can be gathered here in your house. We thank you for each one that you've given the health, the strength, the privilege, Lord, the freedom to be able to be here today. And Lord, we pray now that as we gather together, we pray, Lord, that you would meet with us in a real and a mighty way because, Lord, we have nothing of ourselves to offer. But, Lord, we are all here in great need. Lord, not of hearing from man today, but hearing from you. Thank you for your word, for the preservation of that word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We pray that that spirit now might take and 
use these words and make them alive and speak to our hearts that which you would speak to us this morning because, Lord, you do know the hearts of each one here. You know the needs of each and every individual. We pray, Lord, that through you and for your glory, Lord, that you would work in the hearts as only you can for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, my short answer as to whether it's a good thing and that God would be pleased with is yes. But of course, there's always, as with many things, there's conditions to most things. It was just like most things in life. Mother's Day undoubtedly has been hijacked and it's been commercialized for one sole reason, the purpose of making profit making more money. However, that doesn't negate the meaning behind what we're doing on this special day, and it certainly doesn't lessen the need for us as Christians to be biblical in all that we do. You see, it's the Word of God that teaches us very clearly that it is right to honor mothers as well as the fathers. But in doing that, we should be very careful that we are honoring the Lord in everything that we do. We go back to when God first gave his law to man in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. He said, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16, that's expounded upon a bit further. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged. But then he adds something else. And that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. We find that if you look into your New Testaments to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 15. As we read verses, pick up in verse 3 and read down through verse 9. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 3. But he, of course, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, 
teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You see, what Jesus was directing here is those, there were those that had gone to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the temple and they had talked to them and they had worked out a deal with them. And they were trying to excuse themselves here from honoring their parents by saying, well, what would have been yours, we've given it to God. And so there's nothing left for you. In other words, they were saying on the one hand, we're doing something really good here. We're giving this to God. But in order to do that, they were using that as an excuse to actually disobey God. You see, Jesus' condemnation is plain. There is no question that it is right and proper to give honor to our mothers. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn there. You could look also in Matthew 19, 19, in Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 10, in Mark chapter 10, verse 19, in Luke 18, 20, in Ephesians 6, 2. In all of these places, we find those same words, honor thy father and thy mother, and some other things to go with them. To honor mothers is biblical. But let me say this. I believe that just setting aside one day a year in their honor is far from the biblical truth that is given to us and is just as hypocritical as what the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing here in Scripture. You see, it doesn't make the day wrong. But to try to make the day something that it isn't is just as wrong. A special day that is set aside in honor of our mother's Surely that's a good thing because they deserve it. They should be honored. But there's a right way. They deserve it, and I think that God is pleased with it. But that in and of itself, to try to ease our conscience that we've done what we ought to have done in honoring our mother, that is a far cry from what God desires of us. You see, the truth is, in God's Word, mothers should be honored every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There is no time in our life, in our words, in our conduct, in all that we're doing that there is an excuse available not to honor our mothers. You see, in everything that we do, we should always remember God and His words. And there is never an excuse for violating His word. Well, I'm asking you this morning a very simple question. I've answered yes. I believe that the setting aside of a day to honor moms when it's genuine and from the heart, I believe they deserve that, and I believe that God would be pleased with that because they deserve that honor. But I'm saying that there's a lot more to what God wants from us in honoring the mothers. 
How can we honor mothers in a biblical way? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of areas <laughs> that we could look at. But unfortunately, as always, for me anyway, time is always a hindrance. I can only preach so long this morning, not because I would run out of anything to say, but because there would come a point when you didn't want to hear anymore. <laughs> there are many ways, and many of them you could come up with. And I will even say this. <clears throat> My Mother's Day message this morning, you'll probably find a little bit untradi un untraditional. And if you really want the message, you're going to have to come back this evening because there's no way that I can give this to you in one short message. Matter of fact, I couldn't give it to you in two short messages. So it'll take two long messages <laughs> to hopefully get there. But yes, I realize that it's a bit untraditional, but that's okay. I'm certainly convinced. I spent enough time before God praying and seeking what he would have for me to give to you this morning, and I know without a doubt this is where God brought me to. Now, we could, uh, we could go through a long list of how we can honor them. Love, respect, obedience, all those important actions that need to be a part of our life every day in order to honor those mothers. But today I'm going to address another issue that I believe is particularly relevant for us today, and I believe it's something that truly requires the attention of the Christian immediately. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, in most of society, I would say to you that the very role of motherhood is under fire. It's being redefined by much of society. Yes, including our government. Now, I don't believe that it's remotely possible to be able to honor mothers as we are commanded to do in Scripture without accepting and abiding by God's plan for motherhood, for fatherhood, for the family as a whole. I took the following from my files, and I hope I'm giving proper credit because I'd lost the annotation of who I was quoting I think it was Dr. James Dobson that said this, why is Mother's Day and Father's Day important? Because in this politically correct environment in which we live, we must present our people with godly images of Christian motherhood and fatherhood so our families will understand what blessings families can be. We do not have to discount others, but God's Word is very specific about the characteristics of godly moms and dads. I am honored to set apart the ladies of our church and those godly moms that have sacrificed to rear their families under the admonition of the Lord. 
I want to be an encourager to those moms as well as to those who have not had children nor may ever have children to be godly examples to these little ones in God's church who are watching them as models of womanhood and Christianity. And I would simply say to what he said, amen and amen. We're living in times when some of the things that I'm going to say this morning can actually land people in jail. We speak of our freedoms, but those freedoms are very quickly evaporating and being taken from us as Christians. I promise you, we are called all kinds of wonderful terms that I wouldn't bear even repeating from this pulpit just for taking a stand, which in fact, as true believers, is the only stand that we can take biblically. We're considered unloving when in fact nothing is farther from the truth. You see, oftentimes God is considered unloving because he will not condone sin. Because at one day sin and all that sin has eroded will have to be done away with. Folks, we are not being more loving by giving in to sin. By allowing it not only in our lives, but did you notice the difference when we read those verses from the Old Testament earlier? The first one dealt specifically that we should honor our mothers and our fathers because of what it would do for us personally. He said that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that your days may be long. But notice in Deuteronomy, he said that it may go well with thee in the land where the Lord thy God giveth thee. You see, it's not just our lives. It's the effect of those around us as well. The land in which we live. It's considered politically incorrect. Why? Well, mainly just because the truth isn't correct in their eyes anymore. Therefore, for us to speak truth and to stand upon truth is politically incorrect because they don't like the truths that God gives us. Many of you have signed a petition that's been laying on the back table of our church. I think it's been the last couple of weeks. If you haven't, you need to sign it today because it's got to be sent off. You see, right now, began this past week, there is a proposal before Parliament that would seek, and I quote, to provide equal access to civil marriage for same-sex couples. Now, all that simple petition is saying at the back is that I support the legal definition of marriage, which is the voluntary union for life of one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. I oppose any attempt to redefine it. You say, preacher, we shouldn't get so political. Well, I beg your pardon. 
I'm not going to get in this pulpit and tell you who to vote for and who not to vote for and all this, but I will tell you this, that we are to take a stand for what is right, regardless of who says that it's wrong for us to do so. This is not just something that is a personal preference. And I'm saying that where our country and where our land is going, it will not only be detrimental to you, but to all of those around you as well. Who would have ever thought that we would possibly be living in a day that such a thing would even be discussed, let alone coming up for a vote in Parliament? Folks, it's been happening, and it continues to happen in seats of government all over the world, mostly in the very countries that in bygone years are the ones that have been described as Christian. Of course, the term Christianity has been redefined <laughs> by so many that what we're told now is to hold such a view is actually unchristian. Folks, homosexuality has been a part of society right back to early times in the Bible. Why? Because just like every other ungodly practice, it is there because sin entered in to the Garden of Eden. You see, it was in Old Testament times, and it's still sin today. I don't have anything against an individual that is a homosexual. I just have a problem with calling their sin anything other than sin. Of course, today, I would just be considered to be a homophobic because I have a problem with homosexuality. Folks, I have a problem with homosexuality just like any other sin because God has a problem with it. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for the forgiveness of that sin just like every other sin. Of course, like everything else, sin is being redefined all the time. May I say to you clearly this morning, and I will support it and back it up by the Word of God. I told you it was kind of an unusual Mother's Day message. Folks, God's plan for the family, you've heard it said before, it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God's plan for the family did not include homosexuality in any way. As a matter of fact, he had quite a few words to say about it. And it's interesting because in our, our day of such great information, you find that you can go and somebody, somebody asked me this morning back there talking about the fact, you know, that, you know, here we are discussing that it's wrong in society. But to many today, 
this redefining has taken place to the point to where it's not just a question of whether it's wrong in society. To many, it's right within the church. It's right in the pulpit. It is just an alternative lifestyle. Well, let's see what God says about this alternative lifestyle. In Leviticus chapter 18, and I'm going to read short and I'm going to read quick because there's a lot of verses around these, but in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, the Bible says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Turn over just a page or two in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 20. And in Leviticus chapter 20, notice what he says down in verse 8 and 9. It says, And ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. For every one that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. And then notice down in verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of him that have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You see here in this passage, in its perfect context, in God's word, on the one hand, he's the one that connects the honoring of the father and the mother and these abominable sins that dishonor that very thing. You find that if you look over into the New Testament in Romans chapter 1, and notice what it says beginning in verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. See, most of society today, that's exactly where they are. That's exactly where they are. They see absolutely nothing whatsoever wrong with it. In 1 Corinthians 
chapter 6, and in verse 9, what if God says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, and the list goes on. You see those effeminate, those abusers of mankind. He just got through explaining what he meant by that. If you look over into the next chapter, in chapter 7, he says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. You see, God has a proper way. It's not for lust and carnality and the things of the flesh just to run rampant and do anything that they want in order for that lust to be satisfied. God himself has a place for relationships. And I say clearly this morning, that is not same-sex couples according to God's word, according to how God defines it and what he says that marriage is. He didn't define the family to be dad and dad or mom and mom. You know, that of itself, with no further help, that would be enough to end humanity forever. We couldn't even exist as a human race if that were the way to go. But that's unnatural. That's not the natural way. One way that we can truly honor mothers on Mother's Day is to be committed to God's defining of what mothers and fathers are. Be committed to what God defines a family as. To God's defining of what marriage is. I'm saying that we live in blasphemous days. And if we're going to honor mothers on this special day, then it's pretty hypocritical if we don't try to honor them on every day by what we say and what we do and the lives that we do. And if we're going to do that, it must be honoring God and his word. In these blasphemous days that we live, I'm saying that far more important that one day a year that might be set aside would be committed, being committed to biblical families and biblical marriages as God has defined them. You see, it was God himself that created man. And then from that man, he created woman. 
And he created that woman to complete the man. We look right back into the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. And we find there beginning in verse 21, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. The rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, what? For the woman. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave, be welded, be, be bound forever unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You see, God had a plan. And his plan was man and woman. Man and woman to be bound together as one. In Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 4, the Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Folks, it's very simple this morning. The relationship between a man and a woman that the world has redefined and has cheapened and in the day which we live is taken so lightly. It's taken so very lightly. The act of a man and a woman coming together. You see, God meant it to be something beautiful. God meant it to be within the bounds of marriage. And God defines marriage as something that is between one man and one woman. And to go outside of that, we could spend time on many of these verses. The simple truth is, it is vile, it is sin of the worst kind. There is only one place in God's plan for a man and a woman to have that special relationship with each other that is within a marriage. It's part of the family. That's how God designed it. That's how God defines it. And that's how we need to defend it. There is no room to give in this matter. Christians have got to stand together. You see, we cannot allow ourselves as Christians to be yoked together in these matters with the world and their definitions and what they are anymore than that man and that woman should be yoked together in marriage without their both 
being God's children. Second Corinthians chapter 6, I believe this applies very clearly to marriage, but our everyday lives as well. Second Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, we have our earthly families. We have our spiritual families. We find the principles that are being given to us here is, yes, very clearly within God's defining of a marriage. Folks, when you yoke two animals together, you know, and, and this is the thing, that when you yoke them together, they're put on that same yoke, and they're pulling together to get the same job done. He's saying we can't be yoked together with the world and the way they're going and what they're doing any more than we can be yoked together as a believer with an unbeliever and be going in the same direction within marriage. And if we want to be blessed in God's family, he wants to be a father to us. He wants us to be his sons and children. He says, separate yourselves from them. As we celebrate this special day to honor mothers, I say to you today, let's do so by honoring God, by being committed to the biblical roles of mothers and fathers, by being committed to biblical homes as God planned them to be, by being committed to biblical marriages as God defines them today, to honor mothers. We need, as the title of this sermon says, Biblical Marriages in Blasphemous Days. As we consider this, remember, the last, what is it, uh, three weeks that we've been looking in our series on the church? And in Ephesians chapter 5, do you remember what it said there in that great comparison that we've been looking at? Beginning in verse 21, he said, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. The only relationship on this earth that God uses in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, with God the Father, he uses the illustration of the family. With a husband and wife, that is the only reason he used to describe that relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Of course, there are many, many places that we could look in Scripture in our text for today in 1 Peter chapter 3, if we're to have biblical homes that honor biblical roles of mothers and fathers, then that can only happen when we have biblical marriages as defined by God. Not by man, not by parliament, but what God says. Moms and dads, it starts with us. Note these few things that I hope will at least help you in this matter. Building them on what we're already seeing. Now, at this point in my sermon, I'm just getting to the end of my introduction. What I'm going to do, and this is where I plan to get, so praise God, I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm going to give you the skeleton of what we will be looking at tonight. Because I believe this is the groundwork that needs to be laid. Because building upon these things, I believe that a biblical marriage requires biblical imperatives for the wife and biblical imperatives for the husbands. You see, I just said moms and dads, it starts right here with us. As a matter of fact, like anything else that God does in our life, it actually starts with me. It's not even a question of whether my husband or my wife is getting it right. It's am I getting it right. You see, these are not things that we're bound to the other only when they get it right. <laughs> I mean, if they're not doing their part, we're off the hook. That's not what God's Word teaches us. There are imperatives, imperatives that a godly wife, they must be a part of her life, just as the same is for the husband. As a matter of fact, in the context of our passage here in 1 Peter, it's not even the things that we're 
bound to when the other one's a Christian. You see, it's never right in God's eyes as we've already looked in Scripture. It's never, ever right for a Christian and a non-Christian, a believer and a non-believer to be yoked together as one. Never. But there are times when unbelievers get married and one of them becomes a believer. I'm saying the imperatives in God's Word doesn't change, but in fact, in the context of right here in 1 Peter, it's these imperatives that are placed upon the lives of the wife and then the husband with a biblical view of that in itself, helping to bring the other one to Christ. So we're going to be looking at some things this evening. Biblical imperatives for the wife. I've listed simply four. It doesn't mean that's all there is in the Bible, but that's trying to just simply break down the ones right here in this passage. A submissive approach, sanctified actions, sensible apparel, and a sweet attitude. That's not hard. This passage gives us some insight into those things. These are imperatives that for it to be a biblical marriage, for you to be what God defines biblically as a wife, these are some things that are imperative. And then secondly, there are also some imperatives for the husband, and we'll see those an understanding headship. You see, sometimes he likes that part being called Lord. <laughs> he likes that part of submitting yourself to me. But what about the fact of loving so much that you're willing to lay down your life? You see, the Bible speaks here of a knowledge that is an understanding. I'm saying in that role as head, it's a role where he needs to understand the needs of the wife. I believe that it requires unreserved honor, that place of honor that a husband must give his wife in his life. I believe that it, mean, that it requires an undeterred companionship, that there is nothing, there's nothing that he won't do to stop something destroying that special thing that God has given them. And fourthly, unhindered prayers. For if we ever needed the powerhouse of heaven, it's the day that we live. And husbands, I believe that it's an imperative that you make sure in your home that the prayers are not being hindered because these imperatives are not being met. You see, folks, God has a plan. And it's only his plan that will work. And the simple truth is, is that in the day that we live, the things that folks are saying, they're blasphemous. They're totally, completely contrary. I started to say a while ago, and somebody asked me, you know, how, how do people get around these things? How can they allow them to be even a part of the church in all of these things? Well, they not only redefine what a lot of these things mean, they try to redefine God's Word. They try to go back and say, well, that says this, but it doesn't really mean that. It means something else altogether. Moms, I want to be an encouragement to you. Ladies, I want to be an encouragement to you. And I think that within the church, 
There, there are those, whether they have children of their own, there is that role of being a mother. Many of these children that we have here in the church to come in on the bus and the different things, they need somebody to take that role of a mother in their lives. They need somebody to give them that godly teaching that they need, that godly example that they need. And I want to be an encouragement to you. And I want to tell you something. I do believe that you deserve to be honored. And I believe that you deserve to be honored in a very special way, even though the society around us is trying to tear down the very thing that we're honoring in motherhood on this day. I want to be an encouragement to you. Today, I believe that God gives us, he gives us the perfect plan. And we're not all perfect in the way that we carry it out. But he lays the plan before us. And it's the right one. And in your home, God's plan is what you need at work. And I trust and pray that on this day that it will be a special day for you ladies as you're honored. But I trust and pray that the honoring that we all do will not be to make a hypocrite of ourselves because we go around saying happy Mother's Day and all of this and yet not honor God by standing up for what true motherhood really is. Father, we thank you so much this morning. Lord, for this time that you've given us together, and I fully realize, Lord, that this is a rather not only non-traditional but unusual sermon to preach this morning. But, Father, I believe that we live in such a day, Lord, that if motherhood is going to be what you meant it to be, then we as your children are going to have to take a stand. Lord, I pray that you would take and work in the hearts of each one here this morning to realize, Lord, that yes, it may seem that all of society is against us and that we're the bad guys. Lord, I pray that we just recognize, even as we're about to sing, Lord, that we need thee every hour. We need you there with us in our lives and in our homes. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us. And Lord, I know that less than usual, that this has not been specifically an evangelistic message this morning. Lord, I pray that if there be one in our midst that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that even in these passages that you would take and work in their heart and help them to realize that, Lord, they may have an earthly family, but they're not part of your family. <coughs> Some of these things doesn't apply to them because they know at this point that they've never humbled themselves. They've never admitted their sinfulness and sought forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. They've never accepted that what Jesus Christ did alone when he died and rose again the third day is sufficient for their sins to be cleansed. They want to be part of that family today. Father, I pray that you would work in their hearts and show them that need and help them this day to make that choice for you. And I pray that you would especially bless the moms here today. Lord, may they be honored this day in special ways and things that are done for them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to honor the moms every day. 
Lord, by taking the stand that you would have us to take upon your word and standing up for what true biblical motherhood is really all about. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 